There's this popular quote from Zig Ziglar, and he says, help enough people get what they want, and eventually you'll get what you want. And there's a part of that quote that I really love, and another part that I think is really dangerous. The first part is what I really love, help enough people get what they want. But where it can get dangerous is then when he says, and eventually you will get what you want. And the caution there for all of us is, is this a transaction? Like you're only gonna help them so that you, and I just feel like the healthiest version of us say, I'm gonna help you win. Hey, everybody, welcome to the 10,000 Minute Podcast. Christopher Cleveland. Hey, Christopher. I am having a hard time saying Christopher. That's why I don't even say it. Because <sighs> I mumble, anyways. Moy Donis. Hello. Everybody. I really enunciate yours. I know. Do you think it's just you're nervous to mispronounce probably. it? Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. probably. Yeah, that makes sense. I had a teacher who never called on me because he had the same fear. Really? Yeah. So that That's class was a whole thing. That class was easy. He'd be like, <laughs> yes. um, Mary, would you? I was like, yeah, I don't have to answer. And I didn't do my homework. It's a win. It's a win for me. I got caught on a lot. Who, <laughs> one of the podcasts, I was editing it and they called you like Ma or they kept calling you something different. Yeah. I, got, I heard I that a, the other day. I feel yeah. like I, I was got like, a well, Moe. Nope. Yeah. Moe. Sweet Dave. Yeah, yeah that, I think Sweet that's Dave what it was. Sweet Dave said Moe. And then someone else also I said- Eldridge. John Eldridge said- John Eldridge also said it. And the best part is that my roommate, Joss, also says it. Uh, Moe. No, I'm like, okay, calm no. down. Okay? Like as a joke? <laughs> yeah, as a joke. Like, I get it. You listen to the podcast this week. Chill. Real cute, Joss. <laughs> yeah, inside jokes. Um, okay, so today we have a great guest coming. His name is Tim Schur. Uh, wrote a book called The Secret Society of Success. Uh, Tim worked with Donald Miller for years, for 10 years, and now works um, for the guy that started Yum. You know, that Yum, like they own KFC yeah, and yeah, no. all those, all those things. But this guy's happy. I mean, he just seems like he's happy yeah. all the time. Tim is a great man. I really respect him a ton as a, just as a human. Um, but he has a lot of experience with some really smart people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was excited to have him on here because there are a lot of us, well, most of us that are listening, unless you're a student or the young kids might be listening. Uh, <laughs> but most of us have some kind of work experience Whether you know, you're with right. other people. What's it look like to be in the workplace or even just, we all have finances. We all have a persona that we put out in the world. And Tim's view of this is really powerful. Mm -hmm. So I wanted us to talk about this and learn about this from yeah. him. So get ready. Enjoy it. Hey, if you want to be a part of the 10,000 Minute community, we'd love for you to jump on our Facebook page. Yep, we have a Facebook group. Let's go. Um, Can I join? Please join. Please join. Our community is on Facebook. It's a good time. We get to connect there. And then we're also live on our Instagram. So please come through. Uh -huh. um, we have great conversations around the practices and just yeah. everything that has our attention throughout the week. Yep. Chris, you're welcome to those as well. You're, Chris, to, you're welcome to all of it. Yeah. Oh, thank Everybody. You. Please. Uh, come. If you want to get free text messages that are encouraging through the week, um, please text 10 K one zero K to the number five, five, six, seven, eight. So if you're like, what, how do I do that? There's a number that you'd put in like a phone number. It's <laughs> five, five, six, seven, eight. And then you just put in, one zero K in the subject. Like if yep. you're saying, Hey, Chris, you would say 10 K. <laughs> I want to talk to somebody who has to pay for text messages. Yeah. These are free, Chris. We pay for them. 
So it, oh. thank you actually for saying that. <laughs> he said, "Also, oh, I'm talking to you. Okay, <laughs> nice. Let's uh, talk right now. And if you want to help Great support, <laughs> that totally, if you want to support what we're doing, please go to 10,000minutes.com, minutes.com, and in the upper right, it says donate. And we would love for you to do that because we just, we end up paying for these things unless you help us. So would you support us? We don't have a Patreon. Um, if this has been helpful for you or if the text messages are helpful for you, Chris, they're free. Just send us bags of money. <laughs> yes. And you know what? I, I don't know if you remember, but you also promised to shave your head if someone donated $1 million. So I'm still waiting for oh, that. I'll still do that. Oh, I know you will. You guys, I'm like, hmm, I just got to remind the community. <laughs> yes. You want to pitch in together? Well, we I did forget Facebook about group. that promise at this point. But no, I, it's I'm on, it's on film. Up. We'll connect Perfect. online. Let's see if we can I'm all kind that. of pitch in for a million. Okay, people, no here's Tim Schur. It's a one-time donation. It can't be over the course of like years. <laughs> yeah, the fine print. We got to like... <laughs> no, I think it's in a year. If we raise a million dollars... I'd be... Yeah, okay, I'd do that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Starting now. Now. Okay, nice. Starting now. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Um, everybody, Tim and I met through uh, a good friend, Dave McCollum, who's yes. also my manager. And uh, my manager is the coolest, everybody. David McCollum, he's the amazing. Best. When he thinks somebody's great, they're generally really great. And Tim is one of those people. And then Tim and I got to go on a trip with Sir Bob Goff. Ooh, and bragging. Yeah, all the names. What did you say, bragging? Oh, no, this is total bragging. <laughs> And Tim and I, I think we, the first night we got to room together. It's like, hey, Tim, yes. remember that? And we wore yes. some robes together. We you guys down. put okay. the robes on? Okay. <laughs> I will, I will so remember like for forever. Swanky. We came down in robes. My favorite part is we were trying to also convince Michael W. Smith to put on his robe. <laughs> yes. Yes. And he's like, there is, this is no real. possible this is way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we did it. We tried. And we yeah. walked through was the lobby. Was there anything under the rope? Yeah. That's uh, just for your imagination. Okay. Sea train. Okay. All right. Sea <laughs> train. That was a good night. That was fun. Uh, um, okay. So we, this season, are talking to different experts and people that know some stuff. And you, you know stuff just because you're so great with people. And you as a human are such a learner and observer that I just, I think anybody could learn things from you. Um, and so I love that you wrote a book. It's called The Secret Society of Success. And we've tried to get you on for a little bit now. And so it finally happened. Well, thanks. Um, so we are going through this season uh, five different areas. Mm-hmm. Moy, what are those areas? Oh, I love quizzes. So we're doing relationships, <laughs> yep. health, yep. work, which we're excited to lean into with you today. Mm-hmm. Spiritual aiming and cultural issues. So we're trying to find some experts that can help us understand or navigate in real time things that are happening. Yeah. In our 10,000 minutes. And what's it look like to join Jesus in those places? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not just like how to be a great boss or a leader, which is so important, but right. what's it look like then to actually see Jesus and join him in the midst of those things? So that's kind of what we want to jump in with you today. Yeah. Are you nervous? Do you need anything to drink? <laughs> Would you like a snack? <laughs> Oh, actually, like, would you give us just a little bit of your background? I mean, when we met, you were working for Donald Miller. Yeah. And if you don't know oh, who cool. Donald Don, Miller is. <laughs> also known as. An author. I mean, what, what else is he doing right now? Yeah. You helped him start StoryBrand. Is that correct? Yeah. So when I, 10 years ago, 
uh, I started working with Don. And at that time, he was writing books and doing conferences. So one of the books that he had written around that time was A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. And it was, you know, how can you live a better story with your life? And so we were doing these life planning conferences and encouraging people with all of that. And that transition to trying to teach people, okay, if you can, how can you leverage and use the elements of story to apply that to your life? And then we started thinking about this idea of story and applying it to business. Mm -hmm. And so Don's kind of become now the story guy. I mean, he studied it and it actually has very applicable, you know, use in both life and business. So then story brand was that, um, and we've been helping businesses with their messaging and yeah, worked with them for 10 years and then yeah. just launched out a year ago today was my last day mm. with him oh, wow. um, and launched out to release his book and kind of left a dream job to chase a new dream doing writing and speaking. But that, and that's then, a decade of my life. It's crazy to totally. think that cool. it was that long. Totally. You're 20. Four now, which is wow, wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. impressive. Yeah, T Train and I are both 24. That, that's what's so weird. We have the same, almost it's the same birthday, beard, you know. Yeah, the beard gives it away. Everybody's like, Oh, you're so old. I'm like, No, Timmy's not that old. You know, I was playing this is a couple years ago. I'm playing golf and I was playing with a, a Tim's friend a very of mine, good golfer, loves golfing. Continue playing golf with a friend of mine who's in high school. Okay, okay. he and I were playing at the same golf course. We, we'd, we'd play quite a bit together and. So at that day, he was playing with a couple of his dad's friends. So as you would imagine, they think that he and I probably go to school together. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you were yeah, yeah. which makes sense. <laughs> so I remember we're hitting balls on the range, getting ready to play. And they say, what school do you go to? Uh, <laughs> Being the peacemaker that I yeah, am, yeah. I said, I've been out of school for a little bit. That's, that's it. I'm so not going to make him feel bad about yeah, yeah, yeah. it. I don't want to shake but your ass. Then yep. I'm like the fourth hall. I'm talking about my kids, and they're probably like, "Wow, teen pregnancy is <laughs> yeah. all really, totally, totally. <laughs> This guy seems happy though. Yeah, he's really yeah, got real... his stuff together. Wow. I just didn't have the heart to tell him <laughs> that I'm in my mid 30s, but it's fine. You're doing. It's fine. You're doing so great. When I'm 60, yeah. it's gonna be. You're gonna look th in your 30s when you're 60. I said when I'm in my 60s, I'll clear it up. But I see. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> um, speaking of thirties, um, you're now working with David Novak, yes. uh, who is give it just a little yeah. background on what you're doing there, how you're doing that, what you're doing. Yeah. I'll say it one more time, what you're doing, how you're doing it, how you're not doing it. Go. <laughs> so David used to be the CEO of Yum Brands. So KFC, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut. So it's cool. Kentucky Fried Chicken. Continue. Yeah. So he was at, a brainchild behind the conglomeration. You know, yeah. the was he? Kentaco Hut? Yeah. <gasps> all of them together. <gasps> right? Wow. Have you been to a Kentaco Hut before? <laughs> yeah, where they have them all. That's why. It's we all just, we were just on the road. Yeah. I feel like on the road, you find one yep. of those and everybody can get something. Yeah, they're yeah. good. They're good. Yeah. We wow. literally just went to one. I don't know where we just were on the road. <laughs> and you were really cranky that night and you needed something to eat. And we walked That's over. That's exactly <laughs> that? right. We did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Ex except they weren't serving like, nope. yeah, I can't remember what yeah, I got. One, one of the huts or the <laughs> talk exactly or the right. was actually. Okay. Continue, yeah. Tim. So he grows Yum Brands from $4 billion to $32 two billion dollars just wow. made a massive impact in that business but i love the way that he did it and he did it by building a culture of recognition where everyone counted and mm. and so he used to 
make recognition that this was the number one behavior he wanted to drive in the business. And so if he'd be out visiting a KFC and he saw a, a chef, you know, eh, you, you, you know, you're, you do an amazing job with the original recipe. He would recognize them, give mm-hmm. them what he called a personal recognition award. And he'd say, Hey, I want to take a picture with you. I'm going to send you a copy of the picture, but I'm also going to take a copy, a framed version to put it on the wall in my office because when people walk into the CEO's office, I want them to see that you're the kind of person who makes stuff happen mm-hmm. around here. So he started, he did this for years, filled up the walls and started to hang them on the ceilings because oh, he ran cool. out of space. So he just made a, a huge deal out of recognizing every person's contribution. And so what I love so much mm-hmm. about the time that I've been able to spend with him is that's what we're trying to bring into leadership is to, to, it's not about you. It's actually looking at every single person on your team as having massive mm-hmm. amount of value. And so, so I leave my job with Dawn and I'm thinking, okay, here, I'm going to launch into this author speaker thing. And I knew though, that I needed something on the side until yeah. the book comes out and yeah. all that. So I started uh, consulting with David on his podcast and then this summer he said, hey, will you be the CEO of David Novak Leadership, which mm-hmm. is the nonprofit that he started after he retired from Yum. And the mission is make the world a better place by developing better leaders. Mm-hmm. And the opportunity to spend time with him, it was a very you know easy ask. I was like, absolutely, like I'm <laughs> in. Yeah, yeah. And so now I'm running this organization and we have leadership programs, everything from Pre-K, we have a pre-K to fifth grade program, a sixth to 12th grade program, a collegiate program. And then a good majority of the time that um, I spend is is on how leaders lead, which is helping people in the workplace. Mm. But it's all about leadership development. And you're doing a lot of podcasts. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got, we've had a ton of the same guests. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. I mean, you just, who did you just have you just recently? We, we just interviewed Condoleezza Rice. Yep. Yeah. yeah. She was great. We had all Condi. Yeah. Condi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when you just start calling her Condi, you're like, am I okay? To, am I okay to do that? Do, is that, do is I that call her call Dr. Her? Rice? He what? called her Condi. I didn't, I didn't say her name. I was, I was like, you're saying, uh, Mrs. Dr. Uh, yes. uh, Dr. Rice. Uh, your Highness Rice. Uh, your Highness Rice. <laughs> The stories, she ta- she talks about, I mean, she's a pianist, and she talked about uh, getting to perform with Yo-Yo Ma. Mm-hmm. She performed with Aretha Franklin. And then she told this whole story of her performing for the the late Queen of England. Oh, wow. <laughs> when you're, you're Connie like, Rice, you just get the gig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. But here's what's crazy. So, she's like, I thought we were talking about foreign policy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She brought a piano. Pock Bell. Okay, so here we go. We do a bunch of research leading up to this. So we always come with a list of questions. We know what we want to ask. And so here I am preparing for this interview. And she's the national security advisor during 9-11. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it kind of hit me, just the, the person that I was about to talk to. Like you mm-hmm. hear these stories. But when she's on the phone with President Bush trying to figure out what in the world we're going to do. I just got just a, mm-hmm. a pinch me moment of, oh my goodness, I'm about to talk to one of the most powerful people in the world. But what I also love is we're just trying to pull her leadership insights, like what she learned to help people learn from her experiences. And so, you know, sometimes when you're sitting in interviews like that, you're just sitting there like, hey, Jesus, you have my attention. <laughs> I, I have no idea what yeah. in the world I'm doing here, but like, 
if this can be used mm-hmm. in some way to make other people's lives better and help them become better leaders, then yeah. what a gift. You yeah. Know? Love that. Wow. Tim, you've been a great encouragement for us as you've talked. I mean, you've listened to a few of these over the years and you've been such a great encouragement for me. Just so you know, just personally, like you'll just, he'll just text at random points and go, thank you for Jesus. You have my attention. I'm praying that or just whatever practice we're doing, he'll throw it out. So anyways, thank you. Well, one thing I want to say just as another bit of encouragement. So we're driving, I drive my five-year-old to to preschool this morning. Yeah. So I said, Hey, I'm about to go spend time with my friend, Tim. Do you want to listen to one of his songs? So I turn on, this is the day. Mm -hmm. And we're like halfway through the verse. He says, he has a great voice. And and then I played him one of Chris's songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we get halfway through the first verse and he's like, yikes. Just (laughs) really, really needs some work. Really bad. I don't know what we're going to do for him. If we had a nickel for every time we've heard this. This plays out a lot. I'm like, hey, Jetson, I'll talk to him about it. I'll talk to him. Yes, buddy. Talk to him about it. Well, thank you. And we'll just, I'm just going to accept that. I just believed that to be true. Sounds like the intro that Tim gives me every night when we're on tour. He goes up and he says, guys, Chris has got a really good heart, but he can't sing very well. Yeah. Yeah. So y'all be kind to him. Yeah. Only a mother could love that voice. I'm used to it. Yeah. C-Train. He's, he's, he's got some potential though. C-Train. Yeah. 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 Just love him. You guys love him. That's too Um, good. Okay. T train number one. Um, <laughs> with all these people that you've been in contact with, so through the whole Donald Miller season, yeah. through the Novak season, through your own life, because you, I mean, everybody seems to know Tim Sure just in the world. You just go, do you know? What they, oh, yeah, best friends. <laughs> what do you learn about people? Yeah. I know it's a really broad question, but I'm, yeah. I love this question for people like you. So, what do I learn about? Yeah, what do you learn about people? I mean, you, you watch all these people, you're learning mm-hmm. about leadership, but you're also just yeah. learning about humans because you are a learner. I mean, every, mm-hmm. every time we talk, you are a learner that I want to be. So what, what do you learn about people? Just a few thoughts. The people that inspire me, um, the ones that I really look at and I just want to know more. I, I started kind of, as I was writing this book too, mm-hmm. flagging all these stories and what is the common denominator? What is the thing that seems to draw me to all these people? And I think the common denominator is this like kind of heart of service mm-hmm. or to kind of put it in a less churchy phrase, mm-hmm. one that I like to use, especially in the business world is they help others win. And that is very countercultural because Everything that we are hearing in society is go get you yours. Totally. Mm-hmm. This is about you, you getting your moment, your viral moment on social media right. or for people to know your name. But the people that really inspire me are not thinking about that at all. They mm-hmm. actually are doing whatever they can do to help somebody else win. Mm-hmm. And there's this mm-hmm. popular quote from Zig Ziglar, and he says, Help enough people get what they want, and eventually you'll get what you want. And there's a part of that quote that I really love, and another part that I think is really dangerous. Mm-hmm. The first part yeah. is what I really love. Yes. Help enough people get what they want. Yes. But where it can get dangerous is then when he says, and eventually you will get what you want. And the caution there for all of us is, is this a transaction? Right. Like you're right. only going to help them so that you— and I just feel like the healthiest version of us say, I'm going to help you win. Mm. Period. Period. That's yeah, it. Yeah, right. That's it. 
And it is very hard to do, actually, Mm -hmm. because I have a lot of people come to me as we have these conversations and they'll say, I've been serving people my whole life. I don't feel like I'm winning. Mm -hmm. Like, what am I supposed to do then? And the answer that I have is not the one that they want to hear, but it's like, you're on the right track. Mm -hmm. You know, are we promised to get the, you know, reward at the end? Or can we find the joy and the satisfaction in doing that work? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the work that we all have to do because we want to win. And I think that I'm, I'm learning that for me to win, it actually, it looks like kind of redefining what success is in our lives. And Mm -hmm. I think that if we can be people who show up to serve, to help others win and be content in that, find contentment in that, that I think that is us on a better path, a hard path. But I do think that that's the better path. I mean, that is so the message of Jesus. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, where do we learn that? Well, that's basically just saying just, but it's, it's so not the message of the American church or Christianity. I mean, it's like, we're going to pimp our things as much as we can, even in my industry, our industry, any of our yeah, industries, right. yeah. there's still this, this thing that I'm wrestling with a whole bunch right now. My church community is even wrestling with this. Like, what's this look like for us to be more about others than about my own awesome thing? Mm-hmm. I, I It's crazy. I don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. To be honest, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really trying to rethink my thinking on this is the actual way of Jesus. And you're putting it into business stuff and the whole leadership realm. And I, I love it. I just don't know how to do it. Yeah. You should read that book. It's right there. <laughs> <laughs> so here, here's the thing that we're all up against. And I talk about in the book, I, I call it the spotlight mindset, which I just simply define as this unhealthy desire for attention and recognition. Mm-hmm. And I think that to some degree, all of us have it. And some of the symptoms of a spotlight mindset could be comparison. Mm. Like, are you only successful based on how you stack up against other people? Or it could be striving. You're chasing after this thing. It's this restless pursuit for more. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's damaged relationships. Like Mm -hmm. this view that you have of success and the thing that you're trying to chase, is it actually causing, you know, tension with the people that you care most about. So the spotlight mindset, you know, this unhealthy desire for attention and recognition comes out sideways in all of us. Mm -hmm. And so there is no day that we will wake up and say, you know, I did it. Like, I don't struggle Mm -hmm. from the spotlight mindset anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, it'd be like saying, guys, I'm like, Jesus, I did it. (laughs) Nailed it. That's just not how life works. The reality is we are living in the tension between the spotlight mindset and, you know, the other end of the spectrum, which would be learning to to live in the way of the secret society, which like we've talked about is it's helping others win. Like that Mm. is the goal. And so each and every day we are going to come up against decisions where we have to choose which direction we're going to head in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because even in a moment like us just talking about Condoleezza Rice, I have to check myself and I have to do this every day Mm -hmm. because there is a part of life that I love sharing these stories. And, you know, I want to use and leverage that Condoleezza Rice interview to help other people. But there's also a very human side, which is 
the more I talk about Condoleezza Rice and me getting to sit into a you know virtual room with her, people look at me and think a certain way about me. Mm. So what is my actual motivation? And I am the only person who can right. decide that. Right. And what happens is it's more, all of this is like the posture of our heart, like mm-hmm. how we're actually thinking about ourselves and our motivation. So I think that is the reality too, is we have to choose how we're going to show up. And that's the work. And it's going to happen every day. Yeah. So. Okay. So what, pra- I mean, 10,000 minutes, we're all about putting these things into practice and we, we would talk about with Jesus, but what's this look like to put this into practice? Yeah. I, I even the, the checking mm-hmm. of ourselves and checking of like our motives and the deeper yeah. things. What's that look like? I feel like the self-awareness is the first step. Just even knowing what you are up against is mm-hmm. it. Right. So I have a very hard time with social media personally, mm-hmm. because here I am, I had this book, and I have a podcast and these things that I want to promote to build, quote, build a brand, right? Mm-hmm. And so I know that being consistent with some of that is important. And yet I feel like I'm sitting here typing up something, about to post something. And it's in that moment that I have to think, what is my intention for doing this thing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the practice is to ask that question. Mm. You know, there is no problem with having a spotlight or a platform. That mm-hmm. is not the problem. The problem is the intention yeah. and the decisions yep. Yep. that you make, Yep. Mm. right? Right. So being famous is not the problem. That's not the villain. Right. The problem is actually us. And it's how we show up as we are on this journey, you know, and building big platforms and having a, a big audience to be able to talk about things that matters, that, that's that's so helpful and amazing. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, why do you release records? Is it to actually make you feel great? Or do you actually believe that it's to equip people like me with these little heart checks, like, Jesus, you have my attention, mm-hmm. right? Like, because I have greatly benefited from the work that you all do. And... It's just, we got to check our intentions. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think the majority could relate with checking your motives in these certain situations. If like, let's say the ego is involved, mm-hmm. right? But how how does one help others win when they struggle with self-neglect? Like how does someone mm. move in those areas when it's natural for them in their situation to already kind of ignore their needs or themselves to help others, which happens a lot serving in churches Mm -hmm. helps a lot in family relationships. I myself struggle with self-neglect. So serving Mm -hmm. others Mm -hmm. is easy, but Mm -hmm. then I wake up one day and I'm bitter. Mm -hmm. So how, how do you help others win and still validate yourself? Mm -hmm. Great. As you know, (laughs) Chris, why don't you take that one? I wrote this book. Uh, It's called the secret success society. Because that's a struggle, right? Because sometimes the service, especially in the Christian world, is an expectation. Mm -hmm. Like once you receive Jesus, we are expecting you to serve and that's how you participate. Mm -hmm. And though that is beautiful, for some people, it could feel, I have to do this to get that. Mm -hmm. Kind of like that quote, I have to help in order to be helped. So in, in these maybe moments where you're consulting people, has that come up where self-neglect is a problem when helping others? Yeah. 
So there isn't an actual win for them sometimes. It's more of that's what you do. You put others first, but maybe what you want in life has to go second. I, I think it's very important to think about what you want in life. It is because like, why are you here? Mm-hmm. What is the thing that you have that you can contribute? And I think the healthy version of us gets to the place where we're doing our thing. We're, we're operating our gifts and our strengths and it has the ability to make an impact for other people. Right. Um, but the whole self-neglect thing, like you do have to take care of yourself. Right. It's very easy for me to wake up in the morning and before my kids get up, pull out my computer and just start working. I love my work. I love doing that. But like you, sometimes I can feel like I'm neglecting my own you know, growth. And right. I, I, I didn't read. I didn't journal. I didn't do anything that I know can help center me. Mm-hmm. I just kind of got into the day. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's also a practice of what if you today woke up and like took care of yourself first and then you mm-hmm. move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So I also don't think that there's going to be one thing that I can tell you to solve that, right. you know, but right. I do feel like what you can do is have a, an action, a step. And just to say, have I taken care of myself today? Mm-hmm. Like self-awareness is the greatest gift yeah. that we all mm-hmm. can, you know, bring. And so even just knowing that that would be a tendency, mm-hmm. do something about it. And I think the thing that you can do is start taking care of yourself too. Mm-hmm. And, and it's both. Because if the resentment is building, then why is it building? Mm-hmm. Right. Because are you not talking about that to other mm-hmm. people? Are you not being honest? Well, that's some on you too. Totally. If you're not doing anything about it, mm-hmm. you know? But I feel like a very helpful thing for me was hearing Andy Stanley speak at an event in Atlanta. And the whole event was around like finding your purpose. And it's very common for us to ask these questions like, why am I here? And Andy's like, that's the wrong question. Mm. The question we need to ask is who am I here for? And what I love about the who am I here for is it requires us to think about what we're good at, what we love to do, but it kind of has us in this posture of bringing all that to the table to help somebody else. And I know that that is a a normal thing for, you know, someone like yourself. Mm-hmm. Serving is a default. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that that's the default for most people. Right, right. I actually feel like the default for most people is they are not thinking about anybody else at all. Right. And so I love that who am I here for idea though, because mm-hmm. I got back to my office and I created an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. And I put that on the wall in my office. And right at the top, I, I wrote really big, who am I here for? And below it, I put the pictures and the names of every single person on my team and their families, because mm-hmm. y'all have this experience like I do, endless inbox tasks that you know, you'll know you never mm-hmm. achieve in a day. Your calendar, like all the colors are touching, like there is no mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. It's on those days I needed that simple reminder, like, who am I here for? Like, how can I have my antenna up for somebody else rather than just being so focused on myself? Mm-hmm. So you and I, it sounds like have different struggles and that your default is serving people. I, my struggle is I need to do a better job thinking of other people because it is so easy for me mm-hmm. to be very, you know, self-consumed. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, you know, I don't know if we want to get into this, but it also seems like that could be just as center focused, like me focused, even that. Totally. But I also think it's enabled in church. I also think that is like 
somewhat of an expectation to totally. serve. And so when you grow up in that, it's hard to mm-hmm. not live outside of that. It's celebrated. Like, what is Jesus like? Serving. But we're always surviving at the same time. And I think that there's a lot of church leaders that take advantage of that like crazy. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot Mm -hmm. of very unhealthy church Mm -hmm. cultures because people are like, oh, okay, I can get whatever I need. And we're going to under staff this area Mm -hmm. because we know Mm -hmm. what are they going to do? They're going to argue with us about it's like, right. So there also is caution in all of that as well that we're caring for our people well and their mm-hmm. own mental health and yeah. their bandwidth. And, you know, so it is a, a yeah. larger issue for and sure. It's not to say like all churches, right? But that's yeah, with anything. Totally. But I do think sometimes there's an expectation. If you are Jesus-like, then you should be selfless. And this is what selfless should look like mm-hmm. in this situation. And that's where I think can get tricky for certain people who are like, I thought I did the thing. I served, mm-hmm. but I feel empty. What do mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. unseen? Why do mm-hmm. I feel, you know, whatever it is. It, it it almost feels like the whole point is remembering you belong to the collective. Yeah. And that that should root itself into whatever you do. Kind of yep. what you're saying. Either side is self-centered, not in a way that's conceited, but that your focus is like has switched to just you. Mm-hmm. It's almost out of like um, surviving. Out of survival, I need to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. So you know, whatever I do next, you'll go second. But I feel like no one's protecting me. No one's defending Mm -hmm. me. No one's providing for me. But it seems like if we all provided for each other, if we all had an idea that we're all in it together, how would your generosity shift in work Mm -hmm. or in your relationships? You you bring up a really good point. And I think it's recognition. Mm -hmm. So I was at a show at the Ryman a few years ago, which is my favorite place to watch shows. And we were midway through the set and the lead singer went from playing guitar in the center of the stage and he moved back onto a piano a little further back on the stage. And for just a minute, the guy running the main spotlight lost him. I mean, mm. everyone in the crowd knew what was going on. I mean, he was clearly lost doing like yeah. figure eights. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the lead singer calls him out in a joking way. Gotta stay with me, bro. And everyone laughs and the show goes on. But I'm thinking, isn't it interesting that if this guy would have been doing his job with excellence, he becomes invisible. Mm-hmm. If he, the, the only reason why he got yeah. everyone's attention is because he messed up. <clears throat> yeah. And I think the reality for most of us and where some of the resentment comes in mm-hmm. is that people are serving, they're doing their thing and they feel invisible. Yes. They don't feel appreciated. Yes. They don't feel recognized. Mm-hmm. And that is not a byproduct of you doing a bad job. It actually is you doing your job so well that people don't right. even think. It's like the bass player. Yeah, he, he's just <laughs> doing right. Thing. right. He's doing your thing. And he leaves, you're like, dang, what happened, man? Right. Yeah. And so, so a very practical thing that all of us can do is simply to recognize yeah. one another. So what does it look like to live in the way of the secret society? We recognize one another. We are aware of the work that happens behind the scenes. And we make it a point to just call that out because here you are serving, doing your thing. But if time to time, somebody would come up and be like, when you did this thing, Mm -hmm. I mean, the reason why we are all sitting in this room is because you coordinated all the logistics to make it happen. Mm -hmm. So you doing your thing with excellence is why we are all sitting here, right? And so that, Acknowledgement mm-hmm. and that bit of recognition, I feel like if if we were able to do that for our people over and over mm-hmm. and over, 
that I think would make them feel a little mm-hmm. less alone, a little less invisible, yeah, and a little more appreciated, and and almost this like empowerment and mm-hmm. motivation to like keep serving because it can be yeah. very exhausting, yeah, you know. And I think that what happens is when people start to feel resentful when they don't feel appreciated, they all of a sudden can flip into the spotlight mindset. Totally. Unhealthy desire for attention mm-hmm. recognition, like Horny somebody recognized me. So mm-hmm. it starts coming out sideways mm-hmm. and you're like, gosh, this feels weird because they don't feel appreciated. Yeah. Well, if you've been listening to these past few seasons, it seems like every conversation seems to be encouraging us to have others in mind in all that we do. So take a moment, pull back and think about the people in your life people that have gotten you to where you are today. Who has taken time to pour into your daily life? Think about that. Can you think of someone who has helped you win recently? Is there someone who has helped you at work lately? It's not a normal rhythm for us to recognize these people, but what would that look like if we started recognizing them, either to them or in front of other people? It's never too late to recognize each other. Maybe take a moment right now to send a text message or give a call to let them know what they did matters and who they are matters. And that you see them. This is a beautiful form of blessing, calling out what already exists in somebody else and speaking wholeness over their life as they've done to yours. That's our practice this week. So the secret society of success, explain that. So I'll kind of, I'll get into that with this story, which I just love so much. It's Apollo 11. So, you know, a lot of people know you got Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, one small step for Bruce man, Willis. one giant yeah. leap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't he on that? I love it. That's what we're Yeah. Errol Smith. Don't worry about Errol Smith. Don't worry about Smith. Don't worry about Smith. Oh, man. We're there. On Apollo 11, there's a third astronaut most people have never heard of. It's a guy named Michael Collins. I really wish I could have remembered his name. I was trying the whole time while I was stalling with Aerosmith, but I couldn't couldn't get it. The third? Yeah. You knew that? I thought we were gonna I thought we were getting to the third guy, but couldn't remember his name. Uh, the fact you even know there's three there is were incredible. Three. I love yeah, it. There he were three. He didn't get to go out in space. He didn't get so to go out. So he had to hold space. down the fort. He Ubers them to the moon and drops them off. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys do all the things they gotta do on the moon surface. He Orbits the moon 26 times Mm. until those guys are ready to be picked up and brought back to Earth. Wow. What I love so much about this story is when Michael Collins gets back to Earth and sits down with the press, he talks about how content he was to have had one of those three seats. Mm. Why is it for us to feel successful? Do do we actually feel like we have to walk on the moon? Do we have to walk on the moon to be happy? Yeah. Because the model that Michael Kahn shows us is, what if we were content playing our role, regardless of how much visibility we got because of it? And so Michael is one of these people that I've been really inspired by, this like aspirational identity for how I want to live and show up. And 
I, I've started to accumulate these stories and the common denominator, this like help others win thing is what I just feel like has been at the the heart of the secret society of success. And mm. in a world that says success is fame, money, and power, mm-hmm. to be successful, you need to pursue those things. Walk on the moon. Get into the spotlight. Mm. Be the person walking on the moon. But there's a part where over the, in the last 10 years of my career, I've been in a behind-the-scenes role, and I felt very fulfilled. Yeah, I was very mm. happy, and yet— there's this thing that people are saying, nope, you're not successful still. Mm-hmm. And so you wrote did. a book. <laughs> <laughs> you said, fine, I'll do it. Fine, I'll do it, but I'm not going to post on social media about it, okay? It's all <laughs> so, but th- that's, I think, the tension that so many people are yeah. sitting in. They're like, yep. but even talk about writing a book. There are editors that helped on this project. I had ghostwriters that helped on this project. And I think I'm talking to an editor and a lot of these people feel pressured to become an author, to have their name on the mm-hmm. front of a book. And they're like, but I really like being an editor. Yep. Like, why <laughs> yep. can't I just keep doing totally. that thing? And so here we are in this cultural tension where people are saying, this is what it means to be successful. And I'm sitting here thinking, is it, is it yeah. though? Like, how else can we be thinking about and talking about success in a way that maybe is different from these other messages? And so mm. the secret society of success is what I call this group of people who have shown me a new way to live and a new way to define success. And so every chapter is a paradigm shift of what it can look like to to show up and and how we can look at success a little bit differently. Was there a moment for you when that clicked or was it kind of a process? I remember, gosh, I've been doing music forever and my grandma was a songwriter. Okay. So, uh, and I've got like this book of all of her songs. Yeah. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Yeah. She wore robes too. It's like Michael Douglas <laughs> Smith. ahead of the trends. But uh, I remember I would call her and every time I called her, she said, well, did you make it yet? Have you made it big yet? Or she said, did you make a million dollars yet or whatever, you know? And I'm like, like all at once or like put together yeah. over yeah, yeah. decades? Like what, what's the criteria here, grandma? And finally I, I just said, well, I kind of took a an inventory of my life, you know, in the few seconds on the phone after the 19th time she'd asked me. And I said, grandma, I think I'm making it. Yeah, I think I did. You Mm. know, and it was kind of a realization for me that like it may not look the same way that I thought Mm -hmm. it was going to look, but actually like I found success in my own way. I've just learned how to redefine it. How did that look like for you? Was it a process, a moment for you? Um, How were you able to say, well, it's, I don't need my name on the front of the book. I don't need to be the guy with the spotlight. I can be this person and be content. Definitely a journey. Um, there, there was a season of my life when I wanted to be the next John Mayer. <laughs> yeah, you, you should did. have seen my hair back then. It was Ooh. great. It we'll, was put it we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> and I really did think that that is what success looked like. Yeah. But as I reflect back on that time in my life. I didn't want to become a musician to make anybody's life better. I just wanted to be famous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was the motivation. Motivation, yeah. And then I totally failed at being a musician. There was a day that I looked at TuneCore, which is the distribution to like get your songs on iTunes and everything. And my royalty statement, and and I think, I don't know if it was a month or a quarter, either way, this number is horrible. I had made $13. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, you know- 
I think it's fair to say that this isn't going well. Mm. And so I started actually working alongside a musician and doing artist management. And I ended up working at Apple for a while. And then I got into this role with Dawn. And so it was the further and further I stepped away from the spotlight and I was finding so much fulfillment. I was Mm. loving what I was doing and wrestling with this, but success is the spotlight. Mm. And so Mm -hmm. it was, it's been like 15 years of me wrestling through this and and I still don't have it figured out, like the whole Condi story, case in point. It's like, I am still sorting this out, but I actually know a path now that I want to head. I know mm. what health looks like. Mm. Whether or not I choose it each and every day is a totally different thing. But what I tried to do is put language down for people who also are living in this tension. Because there's a lot of people talking about success and fame and all that. But I just didn't feel like anyone had put it down in words or in in language that we can all talk about. And so that's been the journey for me. And I, I feel like when I was working on this book, I just felt this kind of calling, if you will, but just like God saying, this is your message. Mm-hmm. And so now how I show up is whatever I can do to help people feel a little less alone mm-hmm. uh, on that journey to give them some things that they too can, you know, be, be thinking about as maybe they're, you know, wrestling with navigating success. That's um, what I'm trying to do. When I think of the, the enemies of this, mm-hmm. not people, but just the enemies to this way of leading this way of living, I think financially, I go, gosh, that, that actually, won't work in my industry because if you do, if you do this, Mm -hmm. you won't, I won't financially have anything Mm -hmm. (laughs) for my Mm -hmm. kids Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. What do you say to people like that? Yeah. It's also a great question, Chris. (laughs) You just get all the hard ones. I feel like I have an answer to this. Okay, go. (laughs) I really do. This is one of the reasons why I love like where we live. Everybody comes to Nashville and everybody has a dream. Most of us have the same dream. We want to be the next John Mayer. Yeah. Right. Or whatever version of that. The beautiful thing about this town is most of us are not the next John Mayer, right? And so some of us get our second in the sun, whatever that is. You've had that. I've had that. Like we've, we all have these like, you know, little moments and some of us find the pivot. And, and the beautiful thing I think about this town and the resiliency of the people in it is when people pivot well when I see guys who like your old drummer who played drums and then all of a sudden, like this hobby became this, the best drum store, like in the country, you know what I mean? Or a similar uh, guy used to work for me playing guitar. And now he's like the vintage mic seller, like in the world. And because, and it's just crazy. You never thought this was your path. You never thought you'd write this book. You thought you were going to be, you know, singing sweet melodies and playing sweet licks, you know? Uh, but I, I think the beauty is being able to to pivot. Now I don't have, mm. because obviously I'm still doing the same thing I've done. There's a, a thousand things. I don't have the key to the pivot, but you've pivoted. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what that thing is and how you were able to walk into some of those places when the dream didn't work. Mm-hmm. And in the scary times, like, the first pivot from like obviously seeing $13 in your bank account and saying, well, this isn't going to work, mm-hmm. but leaving that big job to say, oh, I'm, I'm going to chase this other thing. Yeah. I've done that. And that's really scary and, and can be 
terrifying, honestly, mm-hmm. especially with kids and all that kind of stuff. So where do you get the um, the tenacity and the bravery and mm-hmm. all of the things to be able to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to jump and yeah. I'm going to pivot and I'm going to do those things? Because I think the the scary part is when we've put everything into this dream or whatever, when helping people seems counterintuitive, like how do we make those pivots and how do we find those new paths? The the reality is we have to pay our bills. I mean, especially wife and two kids. I I, I can't just do the things that I love and make no money. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. so we, we we can talk about these things philosophically and, and believe them and yet turning into reality is a very different practice. So I leave this job and I'm going to chase a dream as an author and a speaker. All of a sudden I went from a regular paycheck to no paycheck. Right. Like no one knows who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get any speaking gigs because I'm so behind the scenes. Like I don't even have a book out. Nobody's going to book me to speak. And I'm thinking, okay, this is speaking is going to be the revenue stream. This is how I'm going to make it work. But I do believe so much in that I want to do something that I love that really does have a, a positive impact on people. And so I'm practically thinking through how I can make that work. And I guess the first thing to ask that my wife and I were, were talking about is how much money do we actually right. need to make? And kind of what is the bare minimum? And then I start thinking practically how I can do it. So a couple things work into my advantage. The first is I tell Don that I'm leaving. And he says, I want to help you launch well. I'm going to pay you your full salary for six months. Mm. I have a six month runway to figure this out. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, all right, I'm giving a shot for six months. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> Cross my fingers. I hope I can keep doing it. So what I I did is I, I started working with David Novak on the podcast. So now here I'm being paid as a consultant. So I'm like, okay, I just bought myself another couple of months, right? right? But all the while, I'm thinking through, when is this dream going to end, yeah. actually? Yeah. You know, I never expected him to then say, will you run my nonprofit? And then all of a sudden, I go back to a salary, yeah. you know, situation. Yeah. So here I am working with somebody that I am pinching myself to get to work with each and every day, doing things that I really believe in. But I had to take that leap. And there were some uncomfortable moments when I am thinking, when's the shoe going to drop? Because yeah. it kind of mm-hmm. all seems too good. And so that's not everybody's story. Some yeah. people make the leap and they hit the end of the six months and they're like, well, what does that mean for me? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. But what what has been true for me is I massively failed in music and yet our failures are the things that we can often learn the most from. Yeah, mm. You know, I had a, a friend of mine's, his name's Ryan Leak, and um, he wrote a book called Chasing Failure. Uh, so I was talking time. to Ryan and I'm like, Ryan, I'm an only do things if I know I can be successful at them <laughs> kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> Sell right. me. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. why in the world would I chase failure? Yeah. And one of the things he said is, you know, there are lessons to be learned in failure that success can never teach you. So I say that as an encouragement to the people who want to put, you know, food on the table for their families chasing this thing that may experience a failure. The thing you do is like, what is the lesson? And what is the Jesus you have my attention in that moment right, too? Right. Because leading up to this whole thing, the last few years in like my personal life, I, I just— 
was wrestling with a lot of stuff and had one of the harder couple of years that I've had. But all the while, I'm in this tension and this struggle and asking like, Jesus, you have my attention. In this really down moment, what is the thing that you are trying to do? I don't know the answer. It's like, I'm trying to put the puzzle pieces together. I don't even know what the, you know, the right. picture looks like. Right. Mm-hmm. Some days it feels like that. But I also do believe that that journey, that's life. Like it's yeah. navigating those things and not knowing how it's all going to play out. But if you feel convicted to go do the thing, like go do the thing. And mm-hmm. I just believe that somehow when you look back, all the stars are you're going to align towards a, a story mm-hmm. that you are living this idea of the secret society of success being serving and just being others oriented is really wild. And that's kind of what I'm, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. I think what you said in the very beginning was so profound of just checking the practice for me would be to check the motives right? just all day long. So as I write the X on my wrist and I see that as I'm about to post something or write something or Mm -hmm. make a call or ask for something or whatever, that this just motive checker would be so great. There's this quote that I love that has been a North Star for me as I was working on this book. And it's truly a North Star that that still guides me today. And it's this quote by Albert Schweitzer. He says, I don't know what your destiny will be. Some of you will perhaps occupy remarkable positions. Perhaps some of you will become famous by your pens or as artists. But I know one thing, the only ones among you who will be really happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. Mm. And I think that's it. Mm. Like we can't control the rest of it, but Mm. that's the thing that we can control. We can show up with that heart and that posture of helping others win. And I feel Mm. like as we are having to define what success is in our lives and then choose how we're going to show up, how can we maybe look at success as helping others win? Mm-hmm. And how can that shape the actions that we take, the decisions that we make, our headspace versus a version of success that could lead us on a, a pretty gnarly path? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, self-absorbed path. And yeah, and I'm intrigued on in how that would look with you mm-hmm. too. Because it's how do you come into your day in a really in a, the most healthy way that you can. Yeah. Versus the, gosh, I'm just going to give, 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 right. give. And you talked about this the other day yeah. on, the, on uh, Instagram Live about the difference between loaning. Uh, the difference between gifting something and giving out a loan. And I Ooh. feel like I'm constantly thinking that throughout the day. Like in my motive, am I giving you a loan expecting something in return? Yeah. Mm. Or am I feeling generous because I have so much to give? And I catch myself in relationships with resources of like, oh, what am I really giving you right now? Yeah. Mm. And I, I have, I, funny enough, this job has shifted my way of living in that I do start with myself every day, but I have a heart for those who have gone through the idea of what service should be. You know, I grew up in a whole different like I grew up Pentecostal. There's so many layers to that. That was like, we served, my family served for years without getting paid. Like there's so many layers to my story yeah. that it's like, but that's what you do, you know? Yeah. So it's so nice to hear you can do it all. You could take care of yourself and share success. Mm-hmm. Like what if success was also rethought as a collective mm-hmm. and not just a solo thing? I love it. So that's great. That's so good, Tim. 
Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Totally. I love hanging awesome. with you guys. Awesome. Don't get up yet because we've got 10,000 <laughs> thoughts for you yes. right now. Timbo, Timmy, <laughs> Tommy. T-Train. You T-Train. Could, you could call me Tommy and I would probably never correct you. Uh, oh, no. Oh, man. Uh, that was one of the questions. Uh, <laughs> would you correct me? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is, you, you know the deal. Go as fast as you can. Bring this it. is not thinking. This is like. Lightning round. Lightning round, this go. Is this is a secret knowing. society of not sucking. So swish on that. I don't want to brag on that. Me pulling in your swish. Your book title. Okay. Uh, first thing you do in the morning. Um, pull out my phone. Check Ooh, Twitter. Yeah. I didn't yeah. see that coming. It's first yeah. thing I do. Or do you email. Like Twitter? I'm, I'm kind of actually getting into it. Uh, getting it's, in or have you been in? I haven't been. I, oh, I, was, really? I was very uh, Twitter. Totally abandoned it. Last couple of weeks, I've kind of been getting back into it. Interesting. Gosh. Yeah, I think it's interesting too. I started too, and they're brutal. <laughs> Twitter is brutal. I can't tweet, man. It's got pockets. It's got a lot of community. I went on to there. delete my whole thing and then realized that it hasn't been on my phone in like five years. <laughs> Please, I, do, I don't like my answer, but that's the honest answer. No, no, no. I think you're doing great. No, okay. Yep, uh, no pet shame. peeve. I Speed got run. coffee this morning. I know this is so fast. This yeah. is slower, but <laughs> somebody pulled into a spot that clearly said, do not park here, but they had to go in and get their coffee. And it's like- Nine one? Just, Are you a nine one? I was going to say, is can, that your wing you, one? Can you just- I am a, a one That's the struggle every day. Yeah. Self-importance maybe. Uh, I don't know. That, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of them. I got a lot of them, <laughs> but that's one of them. I love that. David, yeah. uh, our, our mutual mm-hmm. friend, David is also a nine one. And so- I was driving down the wrong side of my little cul-de-sac and he's like, so what side of the road are you driving down? And that was just the first thing he saw is where I'm like FaceTiming. I'm in my car. I love it. I'm like, oh gosh, you've got such a one. That's so great. Okay. Okay. Um, Childhood nickname. Ooh. Timmy. (laughs) Full circle here, everybody. Full circle. Uh, Something you're currently rethinking. Uh, my morning routine. <laughs> I think we all are. Uh, we're all taking notes. His, we're his. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what it means. Yeah, send your emails and suggestions, yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. Favorite movie, book, or song mm. other than The Secret Society of Success? Yeah. I love La La Land. Oh, Chase, okay. Chase your dream. Such Let's a go. great Go film. build something. Like That was one of the first things I did after I finished my book, honestly, because I'm like, I did it. I did the mm. thing. I really, you that, I lo- it? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. 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 Do you listen to that? Uh-huh. The music is just. Oh, I've, I've, I've also have tried to learn some of those songs on the piano. <sighs> That's for real jazz. I'm like looking <laughs> said, around for one. In. I'm like, oh, so good. Gosh, this I is love so it great. so much. My, my daughter, who's a nine one, she also, so that's her favorite and what is trying to figure it out on the piano. We saw uh, La La Land at the Nashville Symphony. Ooh. So they play the movie while the symphony is that's doing the soundtrack. Favorite. It was incredible. That's my favorite. Let me know that. Uh, next time that comes, uh, hidden talent. Okay, once again, speed round. <laughs> You're winning. Speed round. This, this is edited. Do I have? An, I don't have any. Uh, do I have any hidden talents? And a lot of people actually don't. Uh, <laughs> I didn't sell very many songs. People don't know I can sing. <laughs> that's, a, that's funny. That's sad, but that is a hidden yeah, talent. Yeah, and you write songs. Hidden. Yeah. Next Monday morning meeting, he's like, "La la la." <laughs> Hey, Condi, I got, I want to, I'm going to sing this next question. You got piano? I'm on this. Here we go. Okay. Bucket list. I want to go play golf at Augusta National. I mean, you've been, 
You've been. You just I've been to played. the Masters. I've never played, but it's a okay. bucket bucket list. Yeah. I mean, I always see that on your Instas. Mm. Yeah, that would make me real happy. Just run out there, see what happens. <laughs> I did totally. that once. Not on the course. We like pulled into Augusta <laughs> just to see how far they'd let us drive. Yeah, not and, far. And it wasn't that far, but further than you you would think. And then they let us kind of like go in and turn around a bit. So we, we felt like it was a win. You so know? Nice. we didn't get arrested. Like, why were you in Augusta, Georgia? Because there's a radio station in Augusta. Yeah, that's nice. Do that math. <laughs> yep. Uh, the 2000s, 2001 uh, to the, through not, 2009. The whole experience of 1999 to 2000, that was a very fun experience. Oh, People Y2K. wondering what's going to happen when right. all the, mm-hmm. right. That, mm-hmm. That's the first thing. Yeah, comes Y2K. To I love it. I love it. Yep. And we're still alive. <laughs> we made it. Okay. But isn't it funny that people were so freaked out? I don't know. I, oh, man. That's next. Uh, <laughs> you at age 16. Uh, I was, I grew about six inches. <laughs> <laughs> I was always hurting. Like my knees, everything uh, hurt. Don't feel bad for buddy. me. Buddy. Yeah. On, but I, I, I got taller. That's what happened. Because I was, I was thinking Spoiler. when you were, you at sixteen, you looked like three. <laughs> you know, just doing, that just doing the math right yeah. now. Well, the thing about me driving a car, the police like there ain't no way. Right. <laughs> no way. All these people that have known me since I was Timmy, they're like, Timmy's got a license. Oh <laughs> yikes! This is bad, buddy. Yeah, this Timmy. Is bad. Uh, Tim. Thank you so much. Yes. Everybody go check out Tim Schurer's stuff. It's two R's, by the way, if you're curious. And there's a C in there. There's an H in there. Go to the show notes. Love you. Thanks. Love you too. Thank you. Uh, I hope you really loved that podcast that conversation it's a good mm-hmm. combo i really do i we've talked about this chris about what's it look like to not be so self-focused mm-hmm. in our thing i think he adds this next level of of others focused mm-hmm. and, yeah. I, and you know we we can speak from our experience in our industry but i think there are so many people that are listening right now hopefully you're still listening um dear listener that are in the work world and or whatever place you're in, what's it look like for us to be more about checking our motivation at the beginning mm-hmm. and saying, gosh, what, how am I about others? And the more scripturally that we've been diving in, it looks like scriptures are actually all about the others versus mm-hmm. me getting mine. And that's a hard paradigm to shift when the American dream yeah. is get yours, get yours, get yours. Right. Be awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. I think this isn't the first episode we've had where we're talking about motives because I think we talked about we could easily behavior wise make it about others, but internally feel unseen mm-hmm. or, you know, taken advantage. And I think the beauty is it all connects. It's an overflow. Like once you reimagine success, once you reimagine your life and you, you know, pull in Nicole Zazowski's practice and you savor every day. You pull in John Eldridge's practice and you realize it's out of the overflow of the heart. Sharing success and serving others is partnered with that. Mm -hmm. So you're validating yourself and realize, oh, we should all feel validated. So I'm going to share what I have, my resources and all these things because it's about the collective. So that was the beauty of it, of connecting both. We can feel self-centered, but underneath it, why? 
Yeah. That's what he was asking. Yeah. Underneath it, why? We could feel afraid of being taken advantage, but what's the why underneath it? Mm-hmm. What where's that fear coming from? So a lot of self story work to help others win was super important. And I, I just sorry, I know you're about to say something, but I just okay. with that. I love the permission for it's like, it's okay to have these platforms. It's mm-hmm. okay to have these things. It's That's not the point. And, you know, I, I do have a hard time with a lot of our Christian celebrity thing. I'm just really looking at that differently these days going, I don't know if it's such a great idea, but it's so much about the motive yeah. and how we're doing mm-hmm. it and who's really being getting the praise in these things. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, go. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's always this thing. If you're a worship leader, like growing up in church, it's always like, I know you had to have heard this. We all have probably sitting on stage. It's like, ah, oh, it was like these worship wars. And they thought we were like putting concerts on all the time. Mm. It's like, well, it's just different, you know, and you can't really, it's like, a, it's a heart thing. Right. So, so being able to posture yourself in the right way, I think was these ways that we battled that or whatever. So I, I'm familiar with that thing, I think, growing up in it. One of the things I love about this is that anyone can do it. You don't have to be the artist or the CEO or the author or all the things. Like We can do this in our daily life Mm -hmm. every day and find success in that. And And I think that's really beautiful no matter what you do. One of the things I loved is what Moy kind of brought up too is about sometimes we can get in these places where we're like overextending ourselves and, and giving too much. And one of the things I didn't say in the podcast, but I'm going to say it now. Um, (laughs) It's like this adult lesson that I had to learn. And on the surface, it sounds selfish, but it's honestly, I think selfless because of the motivation behind it. Like, and that is you have to take care of yourself first. This Mm -hmm. isn't, this is, the marriage advice or the friendship advice or all the advice that I give to anybody, any, any young person like diving into life. It's like, you have to take care of yourself first yeah, because you have to be able to show up in a way where you can give Mm -hmm. and you can be present and you can be all these things. And if you don't do that. So I think to some of your point earlier, it's like, no, it's actually selfish of you not to do that because if if you don't take care of yourself, then you don't have the bandwidth to do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so I think it's really important for you in those spaces to say, this is what I need to be healthy. Yeah. So then you can go into these spaces and, and provide and, and serve other people in really incredible ways. Be who you were made to be. I mean, like we're actually, if, if we were made for the sake of the other, Mm -hmm. I need to be healthy. Yeah. And that looks different for all of us. Yeah. Right? Totally. For yeah. me, it looks like going in the gym and running way too much. Uh-huh. For you, it might be like, you know, your hour of dancing or yeah. whatever, right. you yeah. know, or whatever it's it is. True. It's so different for all of us. But finding those things that like ground us and give us energy and life. And yeah. um, I think are really important. So we can do this because I do think this is like, this is the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, when we yeah. really break it down. And the redefining success is so good. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how many of us have taken a moment to process who we are now compared to who we were before the pandemic and kind of realize, have my dreams changed? Like, I don't know how many of us have actually grieved maybe what was going to be and now maybe isn't. I know for me, there are things that I love. I love music. I've always loved music. I don't know if it was ever my dream, but I feel like it needed to be because I was good at it. Uh-huh. So I've been in process of like, can I grieve how I've been dependent 
or how I formed a dream that I kind of don't want today. Like, is mm. that allowed? And that that's kind of what he talked about pivoting. You mentioned mm-hmm. it. Just reimagine success in the way that it aligns with you and God and not how you think it should look like compared to others. Because that's yeah. what gets us stuck yeah. right. in these moments of hoarding resources or, uh-huh. you know, ghosting jobs or all those kind of things that don't help yourself and others. Yeah. Yeah. I had to do the same thing post pandemic. It was like, Oh wow. Life looks different. Maybe I'm not going to kill myself for shows. Right. Or maybe like I want to be home. So Mm -hmm. what do I need to do to, to, you know, change some of these priorities. And I think it's healthy for all of us to do that and say, well, maybe I'll make less money or maybe this dream won't necessarily be or, or whatever. But how can I still show up as the best person? How can I still serve people in that? Because it's not about the, I mean, this is so stupid because it's so true, but it's never about the destination. And it's like, you get older and you're like, oh God, the dumb quote is. is (laughs) It's 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 true. But it's all about the journey. It's true. And the people that you are journeying with. And so. Yeah. Yeah. Man, true. Uh, Okay, people. Um. There are a lot of practices out of this. Yeah. So the main one I think is help others win and right. And to really from a healthy place. Yeah. And and again, if in this situation, if you take care of yourself, if you check in with your motives, your health should look like helping others win. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what we're saying. So I think one of the practices was helping others win. The other one was self-awareness. Check in with yourself every day in every conversation, not in a way to shame yourself. We are not here. Yeah, just just being aware. Yeah. It's about just being present to your words, Mm -hmm. to your presence. So that was the other one as well that stood out with me. Yeah. So the encouragement is to do these with Jesus alongside of God going, okay, help me, help me do this well Mm -hmm. and not just be bitter in this or trying to get something on the other end of that. I loved that, you know, mm-hmm. as he was talking about the Zig Ziglar line. Yeah. So thanks you guys for listening. Really appreciate you. Please let us know comments, things that you liked, things that you didn't like. And yeah. we're grateful for you. So less of those didn't like things. Well, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> okay. Thanks you guys.